Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. As someone who makes hiring decisions, diversity and, and inclusion is, is probably on my mind um, just about every day. Diversity and inclusion isn't just about disability, race, and gender, and how having people with these different backgrounds only makes any organization or business better. It's also about the experiences that these people have. On this episode of Autism Stories, I talk with one of our coaches from Autism Personal Coach, Luca Brave, as they join me to discuss their diverse experiences inside and outside of the autistic community that have helped them and eventually led to them coaching other autistics. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Luca, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? Yeah, so I actually got diagnosed with autism when I had pretty much just turned 19. So I actually ended up seeking out a diagnosis myself at the sort of prompting of my therapist at the time. And pretty much everyone around me was very against it. It was like, you know, there's no way in hell. This is not going to come back how you think it is. And then the doctor was like, oh yeah, for sure autistic. And that surprised some people. And then since then, everything I've learned about autism have just felt so much understanding of myself by learning more about the autism community. And it very much became a passion of mine. I sort of immediately jumped into the world of advocacy and joined several local and state organizations here, was on boards, panels, think tanks, I mean, pretty much, you know, whatever you name it. And I've been participating in the autism world ever since. Now, going back almost nine years now, you've been involved in one way or another in advocacy work uh, for the, in the autistic community. I've talked with so many people about their advocacy work, but you're the first person I've talked with that I believe combines um, advocacy work and video game development. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the video game that you created called A New Morning? Yeah, so it's actually pretty funny how much people ended up really liking this game. So I ended up creating a new morning kind of on a whim, sort of for a class, actually. Back when I was in college, I was taking a class on social justice. And for the final, she was like, you can do pretty much whatever you want, as long as it, you know, has some sort of like social justice like bend to it. And I knew I wanted to do something with autism. And I was like, would it be okay if I turned in a video game for my final? And she was like, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. 
And so I spent pretty much a week straight creating the original version of A New Morning. And A New Morning is very, very short. It's very accessible. It's pretty much a game where you play as B, who is a young autistic child, and you walk around their house and just sort of like interact with objects and interact with the environment and you learn facts about autism. It's, you know, just meant to be educational, like a very sort of basic primer on some autism facts. And so I, you know, created this original version of it and it actually kind of made some waves online. I had uploaded it online for free that people could play it if they wanted to and it actually got kind of popular. It was like, okay, this is actually something that people are interested in. And so back in, you know, March 2020, when I was like, wow, I'm going to have two weeks off of work. You know how it is. I was like, well, I'm going to have to fill that time somehow. And so I completely did a bunch of stuff from scratch. I created all of the graphics for it completely myself and redid all of the graphics. And then I also collaborated with a autistic teen who wants to go into video game composition. And they did a whole original soundtrack for the game that has menu music, has music in the game, it has a little outro song and completely redid a new morning, you know, fixed up some of the facts and all of my stuff is, you know, cited and sourced and all that kind of stuff and sort of released it out there. I've been really excited the reception that it's gotten despite being a very simple, very short, kind of dinky little game. But I don't know, I think that there's a lot of merit to combining education and justice with art because that's kind of what art has been for a lot of history one of my favorite favorite things about art is that anybody can do it and that goes from drawing or making music or even something like video games like if you think you can't make a video game you're probably wrong and you definitely can so if you're interested try it out and uh, how can people play the game Right now, it is hosted on a indie game website called itch.io. So if you go onto itch or if you, you know, just whatever search you prefer, search for itch.io and a new morning, it should be the first thing that pops up. It is free to play. It is unfortunately only for Windows right now, which there are ways of getting around that for Mac users that are fusing and complicated, but you can play it if you have a Windows. And check in checking it out recently, I, it was cool to see all the feedback that people have given about it. Um, just even a week ago, I think a teacher in like in an elementary classroom had played the game in, in the classroom with her students. Yeah, I did see that comment. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, A New Morning is completely free to use in educational settings. I've had teachers contact me, like the comment that you saw, and say that they used it with their students or that they'd like to form some sort of like curriculum around it. I believe that teacher in particular said that she was having her students write an essay after playing it. So that was, that was really, really cool. 
Now, you're one of the magnificent coaches I've had the privilege to hire at Autism Personal Coach. Sometimes I get it right, and I definitely got it right this time. (laughs) Now, with our coaches, I think having diverse experiences is so important because we coach our clients on so many different goals. So you've had not just had um, diverse experiences with supporting the autistic community, but other experiences as well. And one one of those experiences is working in customer service for five years. So I'm wondering, do you think that working in customer service has helped prepare you in any way to coach other autistic folks? I definitely think it has. I really think that, like you said, having diverse experience is important. And I think that all of the like experiences that I've had throughout my life that's been a big like patchwork quilt preparing me for this job and I think that customer service was definitely a big part of that there's definitely on one hand the whole experience of like getting those jobs and interviewing for those jobs and working as a hiring manager for a time as well where I do understand plenty of my clients are looking for employment. And so I can definitely help with that aspect because of the employment that I've had. But I also think that with customer service, I mean, I've you know worked customer service, I've worked hospitality, I've had quite a few jobs sort of in that realm. I think a really big aspect of it is that you can definitely have different mindsets working a job like that where I think a lot of people tend to default to like, I'm getting through the day and all of these customers are in PC computer people interact with and just get them out of my store, get them out. But I don't think that that's necessarily super healthy or sustainable. Working customer service, working hospitality, I think the things that I really learned to embrace and learn to wire my brain in a different way is that, one, plenty of people are going to be upset about things, and it doesn't mean that they are upset at you specifically, even if they are taking it out on you specifically. And so I think what you have to learn there is like, people are not just what you see in front of you. Someone's in my store for five minutes. They've had a whole day before that. They've had a whole week before that. You don't know what's going on with them. And so learning to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit and say like, there's clearly something upsetting this person. Like one, don't take that personally, but two, like, how can I try to improve the situation? Like, how can I work to make this person's day a little bit better? I think that with customer service, you can definitely, you know, rely on scripts, just kind of do your job, or you can take a creative problem solving sort of approach with it and use it to kind of figure out how people tick and figure out how you can actually get them what they need, whether it's your actual basic job description or not. I worked at a hotel for a while doing the front desk, and for quite a bit of that was on graveyard shift. So I would get to work at 10 o'clock at night, and wouldn't leave until 7 in the morning. And so you'd get people rolling up to check in at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and they're so tired and so grumpy, and they just want to go to sleep. And you do have to learn to like 
use that thin slicing part of your brain, you know, and say like, is there something I can do to like make this five minute interaction better for them? You, you learn how to read people. And I think that's sort of the biggest benefit that I got out of customer service was you do just meet so many different people with so many different kinds of needs and you learn very quickly how to attune yourself to that. I think it's it's really interesting we're having this conversation this week as as voting's been on my mind with you know elected officials in the, in the past week. So something that you've done that I'm really interested in in regards to voting is you collaborated with autistic adults and community leaders to develop an autism focused informational resource on local voting. What do you see as some of the challenges for autistics in the voting process? Really, I think the biggest thing is accessible information. I think that that is a challenge and a barrier to so many parts of autistic life is that so many autistic people, whether clients or friends, have told me, like, I feel like everyone else has this like guidebook that I just don't have, that everyone else is seeming to be working on some base of information that we don't have access to. I think that a lot of autistic people can definitely relate to the experience of like, as children, being like anxious about a situation or nervous about something, and you're just asking questions and questions and questions, and your you know, parents or caregivers or whatever is like, just relax. Don't worry about it. Stop asking so much. And you're just like, I'm trying not to worry about it. That's why I'm asking all of these questions. You know, like, this is how I'm calming myself down is arming myself with this information. And so I think that voting is the exact same way is that there are not a lot of really like clear language guides on how to actually go about things. And so that's really what we were focused on when we were creating this like voting resource. One half of it was like, here's what you are actually going to do to get registered, prepare for voting. Here's what the day of voting is going to look like. Here is like in detail, all of the steps that you need to know, and you can keep this pamphlet with you and bring it in and follow along. And then the other half of it was like, you have rights as a disabled person when it comes to voting. You know, there are accommodations, there are accessibility things, and here's all of your rights and here's what you need to know. And so those are really the key things that we were focused on when creating that resource was just delivering that information in a very clear and accessible way and letting people know their rights as disabled individuals because voting, like, Almost everything in our country tends to not be super accessible. Something else you've done in your advocacy work is collaborate with a disabled and neurodivergent-led think tank to find services and solutions that would benefit the local community. What do you think are some important services that are needed to support, in particular, the adult autistic community? Yeah, that think tank was a really great experience, and I absolutely loved working with them. A couple of the things that we ended up really focusing on in our time there was the medical side of things, because I think that that is something that there's a lot of issues with sort of on 
both sides, one coming from the autistic adult perspective and the other coming from the actual medical professional perspective, we deal with a lot of issues with medical professionals infantilizing us or not listening to us or not knowing our actual healthcare needs and our needs as individuals. And then from the autistic perspective, a lot of times we don't necessarily know the tools to be able to self-advocate in a medical environment. So that was something that we had talked about a lot because every disabled person that was on that think tank had a story about not being able to access healthcare or not being respected by a doctor or, you know, a doctor trying to say that they knew that disabled person's needs better than they did and the disabled person not getting what they needed out of them. Everyone there had a story like that. I had quite a few stories like that. And so that was definitely something that we talked about a lot was how to sort of bridge that gap. Is there training that we can do for medical professionals and are there tools that we can arm disabled adults with so that they know what they're doing going into that situation. And then another thing that we had talked about a lot, which I talk about with so many of my clients, it's such a big topic, is employment. I think in the autistic world especially, there's sort of a stereotype that an adult autistic person is either going to be unemployed or in IT. Those are kind of our only options. But that's not true at all. Like we are such an incredibly diverse group of people with so many different skill sets that you can throw a dart at any field. You're going to find some autistics there. But for autistic people trying to get into the workforce, for autistic people trying to get into career fields and stuff like that, I think it's a similar sort of problem with voting is a lot of autistic people don't know their rights going into situations like that. They don't know how to advocate for accommodations. They don't know what accommodations should be provided for them or their employers are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But on the other side of that, it's a question of how do we find employers who do want to take on autistic employees? How do we let those employers no, it is such a benefit to you to have autistic employees. Like you really can help your business, your field, whatever it is you're trying to do. Having diverse minds is always going to be an asset. And so we're trying to figure out how to bridge that gap as well. And wondering if we could do like a neurodivergent autism focused sort of job fair or something like that and go out and sort of tell people the good word of like, no, autistic employees are awesome and you should definitely try to hire more of us. Being a coach now, are there ways that you see coaching with what we do with Autism Personal Coach being part of those solutions for the autistic community? I absolutely, absolutely do think that or I wouldn't be working here. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely do because I really think that it is just a it's such a sad thing that we're learning more and more just how much of the population autistic will make. It's not that uncommon, not like a lot of people think it is. And yet, despite that, so many different kinds of professionals just don't know anything about autism. And so I think it can be a really big struggle for autistic people 
trying to receive help and support in a lot of different environments when people just aren't trained on how our brains work and what accommodations we need and what supports we need. You know, I have so many clients where they've been struggling with so many things for so long and then we'll have our first couple of sessions and we'll be like, oh, well, you know, do you struggle with executive dysfunction? And we'll be like, I don't know what that means. And you're like, oh, well, you really should know what that means because it's a big part of how your brain works. And then, you know, doing all of this like education with my clients and everything will, you can just like see it in their eyes. It's like, they're finally understanding themselves and understanding how their brain works. And that's the first step to establishing solutions that work for your life. And so I think that having an organization like this that is so focused on neurodivergence and autism and really understanding how we tick and understanding the things that we need and the ways that we can support each other. I think that that's incredibly important. I think that even just with my own clients, just watching the progress they've made has been so absolutely awesome. And yeah, I think that it is a hugely beneficial program that I would absolutely recommend. Now, maybe this isn't a surprise for others, but for me, one of the benefits um, I wasn't expecting when I started coaching people is that it taught me about ways to make improvements in my own life. (laughs) What has kind of coaching taught you up to this point? Yeah, it's really funny because like, obviously when I'm coaching, you know, I can definitely go out and do more research. I can find resources and I definitely have learned things since I've been a coach for sure. But it's not like I have a rule book. It's not like I'm reading from a script during these sessions. So, you know, a lot of the advice that I give and the things that I teach on and everything is coming from my own brain. This is stuff that I already know. And yet just repeating these things over and over does make it a lot more real. You know what the social model of disability is and ascribe social model of disability, but telling new client after new client, no, this is societal problem. You have to stop thinking about this as like problems with your individual self. These are challenges imposed to you by society. Talking about executive dysfunction and being like, Stop calling yourself lazy. Stop thinking you can't do things. Like you can do things. You need support. You need community. Hammering in all those things. Once in a while, still, I'll catch myself thinking, oh, I really should be able to do this. I should be able to do it myself. I shouldn't ask for help. I, as a coach, would be sad to hear my clients <laughs> say that kind of thing. And yet I'm saying it about me, even still, even after being a disability advocate for, you know, how many years. And so I very much have a now kind of separated part of my brain, just like Coach Luca, that will get onto myself about having those kinds of thoughts. And I do end up kind of coaching myself about certain things like that, of really, really understanding, like, it's okay to ask for help, okay to lean on your support network to access resources. It's okay to ask for accommodations. It's really, really made me sink in the fact that it's true for me as well. 
Now, I think there are lots of autistic people out there that could be great coaches and provide fantastic support for other autistic folks. If one of our listeners is thinking about becoming a coach, what would be your advice to them? I think that this is a really good question. And it's so funny because this almost exact question was just asked to me not too long ago. On social media, I got a message from someone saying, hey, I'm thinking of going into social work. Can you tell me more about it? Like, what do you like about it? And I ended up rambling to them for quite some time just talking about how like I think that if you are not suited to a job like this it would be very easy to burn out really quickly it would be easy to get frustrated it would be easy to be unhappy with what you're doing my best friend just got her master's of social work just got her license just got her first social work job and there are people she works with who've been there for 30 years and it's clearly not what they want to be doing. And that has a real effect on people. And I think that is sort of the key to the whole thing is when you go into a job like this, when you go into a field like this, you have a real hand in people's lives. People look to you for support. They look to you for guidance. Even if you don't have all the answers all the time, you do have the ability to affect change in people's lives. And so that's very scary because that's a responsibility, you know, like that's a very real responsibility. But that's also exactly why I love coaching. The ability to like actually see change happen in people's lives because of the work we do together. I would not trade that feeling for anything in the world. Like it's just the coolest thing for me. I am one of the weird autistics who is like extremely extroverted. (laughs) And so I absolutely love getting to talk to people every day and learn about what's happening in their lives. And I love problem solving and I love educating people. I love helping people out. And so coaching is sort of the perfect storm for me of just all of these things that I find so exciting and would absolutely be inflicting on people even if it was not my job. And so I think that's really the question you have to ask yourself. Does that sound exciting to you? Like, is the ability to help people and educate people and guide people and actually be a force of change in their lives, does that sound scary in a bad way or does that sound (laughs) scary in a good way? And if it sounds scary in a good way, check it out 100%. Well, Luca, I really appreciate your time today. It's been so much fun seeing you support other autistic folks and help them to feel like they're not alone and just make gains in their life. So thanks so much for that and for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure and it was great talking to you, Doug. Thanks so much to Luca for the conversation. If you may be interested in coaching from Luca or any of the other wonderful coaches from Autism Personal Coach, then the first step is booking a Zoom call with me to discuss what you would hope to get out of coaching and I can outline for you how Autism Personal Coach can be helpful in this process. The link to book the call can be found in the podcast description for this episode. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it, so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would very much be appreciated. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will be discussing autistic identity and culture. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.